Advanced Principles Podcast, or app, was created to be an outlet for like-minded individuals to share in the broader conversations on leadership, retail market updates, and incredible personal success stories. On app, you will hear a collection of stories from the titans of the retail industry, as well as thought and practice leaders covering the spectrum of the economy. Please click the subscribe button and look for the newest episodes to be released. They said you're either born a leader or you can grow into leading. Did that kind of start the leadership quest that you're still on today and still uh, chasing after? Mike Terry is the founder of the Mike Terry Auto Group, which operates several franchise dealerships in the state of Texas. Prior to entering the automotive industry, Mike spent 15 years providing exemplary service with the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, where he achieved the rank of Lieutenant of Correctional Officers. Upon entering the automotive industry, Mike excelled with every opportunity he was presented, including bringing a Subaru franchise to East Texas. He acquired his first GM dealership in late 2019 and has been expanding ever since. The Mike Terry Auto Group now has multiple locations, all performing at high levels. Mike is an active member in the National Automobile Dealers Association and the National Association of Minority Automobile Dealers. He and his wife Allison have raised six children, two of which have significant roles in the dealerships. Mike lives by a motto, dream big. All right, so on app today, we have Mr. Mike Terry from Mike Terry Auto Group. Mike, thank you so much for taking out the time and joining us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So we have so much to uncover, incredible bio, uh, different path into the car business than some, but you know, every car story is a great story. So I'm anxious to help unpack that, get that told to the listener. So it, let's just jump right into it. There you go. Good. So um, you, you started in as a corrections officer, went to college, uh, got a degree in criminal justice, started as a corrections officer, like every other car dealer under the sun. So did you grow up wanting to be in law enforcement and, and corrections? Well, uh, yes. First and foremost, uh, I went to college for some, uh, some criminal justice, but it was after I started working and I didn't complete my degree. Okay. I did. Okay. Yeah. So I, uh, my, my dad is a retired warden with the Texas Department of Criminal Justice and also from the uh, private sector. Uh, my stepmom retired in the corrections field. I have an aunt that retired. And so it's kind of one of those things where, you know, this is what we do, you know, yeah. so I kind of got right into that and, and started doing that. Very cool. So a lot of family influence. You were raised around yeah. it, had, had a, uh, had a sense of what that life was like and everything. So very cool, kind of followed right in the, the family footsteps. So that's fantastic. So what was your, your first position in corrections? My first position was correction officer, correction okay. officer one. I had to go to a uh, two week training, you know, and uh, before you actually get assigned to a facility. And then after being assigned to a facility, you know, you got your trainings there and then you kind of moved up at the time, the cap, the top position as a correction officer was a correction officer three. They since changed that. I think it's correction officer five now, but okay. yeah, I made it to correction officer three. That's your first steps. Yeah, very cool. And what was the first location that you were at? 
It's a Kofia unit. It's right outside of Palestine, Texas, in a Tennessee colony. Okay. And at the time, it was the largest correctional, I mean, largest facility in the state of Texas. Was it really? Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. So is that is that high security, low security, kind of mid or what what was the level of uh, offenders that you had on the in the facilities? Well, actually, you had a variety of all. You had the uh, low risk, of course, uh, which are considered your trustees. And then, of course, you had your minimum security, you had your medium security, and you had your high security. But we also had what they call super segregation. Uh, and those are either high profile or, or very aggressive you know, uh, offenders, and they were isolated away from even the maximum security part of it. So it's wow. like 12 cells there that required, you know, some um, extended, intense observation throughout the day. <laughs> yeah, wow. And how many different facilities did you serve at during your time in the department? Three. Three, Three okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. And you achieved rank of lieutenant in the Texas Correctional uh, Department, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so Correct. did that kind of start the leadership quest that you're still on today and still uh, chasing after? Well, not really, you know, I uh, guess it's, you know, I don't know, you know, they say you're either born a leader or you can grow into leading. I uh, think that I was just gifted with a talent to lead, you know, I'm really good at listening and, and observing and um, applying, you know, what I, what I get. So, I mean, I was a leader at 17. I was a, you know, shift leader at the Sonic, you know, okay. my first job. So, yeah. Very yeah. cool. So, so from an early age, already had those natural leadership skills. I would imagine throughout school then you were kind of the individual that people were attracted to just by nature. Um, you yeah. have a phenomenal personality. You're all over everything. Um, and that probably just gravitated and just followed you along through your career. Is that, a, is that sound about accurate? Yeah. Sounds Good. great. Yeah. That sounds so you had a very successful 15 year run as a corrections officer, achieving the rank of Lieutenant, like I said, and then all of a sudden you go into car sales. Um, and that's obviously not a natural transition for everybody that's out there. What, what was that like? And you had a family, it, it, you know, some people had to look at you a little sideways as you're kind of going through that decision-making process. What was that like? And how did you come to that decision? Yeah, well, you know, one thing, the first things first, uh, you don't really know the level of discipline and structure that you uh, learn working within the correctional uh, space until you're out of it. And uh, I had um, one, my son had just went off on a football scholarship, you know, which is quote unquote, it's all paid for, right? But right. every month I'm sending money. So it's like, uh, I have three daughters that are on deck. They're all three daughters that were in high school at the time. And I'm like, I can't pay for them to go to school and send him money and he's on a full scholarship. So this won't work, you know, but I had a, a cousin that was uh, actually in the auto industry that he at one point worked in the uh, correction facility. He was like, man, you just have the gift to talk to people. They, they gravitate to you. Uh, why don't you try this? I think you'll like it. And I was like, well, I'll give it a shot. You know I mean? It's not that I wasn't being compensated. Well, it's just that, 
you know, I have six kids and that six kids is just a little bit tough to live on that. So uh, I gave it a shot. And of course, um, I went in, I started February the 15th of 2010. And um, I worked those two weeks that were left in the month, you know, February is a short month. So we knocked out that month and I did really well. But, you know, it's the first month and it, it always goes well the first month. Well, March followed that by a very, very good month. And I was like, OK. I have to leave the state, you know, uh, and, and I have to do this full time because this will put me in a position to make sure that my family is uh, taken care of education wise, you know. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you tried it out a little bit, still had your other position and obviously immediately took to it. And uh, so how comfortable were you in the role of conversing with people and doing the walk around and demonstrating the vehicle to them and then ultimately asking for the sale? That's a, a big departure from what you had been doing the previous 15 years. Yeah. And well, you know, the biggest thing is I've been asked that um, a million times over my career, you know, how was the transition from being in that field, uh, the correction field and going into the auto industry? Well, the biggest thing for me, you know, in the correction field, the majority of the time, it's not that much of a pleasant conversation. Of course, these the guys are, I mean, they're incarcerated. They're not able to go home at night and do the things. And I've, and I've been able to, you know, build a relationship and get them to understand everything that they're supposed to have. I'll make sure that they have and what they're not supposed to have. They just don't have it, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, that, that taught me a lot of discipline and structure. I was 22 when I started. So, wow. you know, as it relates to going into the car business, I mean, these are happy people. They're looking for a car. You know, they want information on a car. So finding out the facts just as it relates to the um, corrections, I had to know the policies and procedures to make sure that things flow accurately. If they didn't, there's lives at jeopardy. You know, mm -hmm, absolutely. Well, in the auto industry is if you don't do the things that you're supposed to do, then you don't sell a car. This is completely different. This was really, really easy. Just know what you're supposed to know to do your job and then connecting with people and having those conversations. That's that's the part that I feel like is a gift for me. It's pretty easy to talk to people. Yeah, very cool. So just a month and a half in, you decided to go full time with it. And, and I'll back up just a little bit. How did you decide which dealership to start at and, and really get into the business? Well, you know, I, after having that conversation with my cousin, of course, the thought was in my head, you know, and when we got back home, my wife and I, you know, just listening to the radio, there was a, an ad on the radio hiring new salespeople for the car business, no experience. And I'm like, that's got to be God talking to me. You know, <laughs> That's a sign. Me, Here's your opportunity. I'm like, I, so I talked to my wife about it. I was like, what do you think? She was like, I mean, give it a shot. Worst case, you still have your other job. I mean, what, what's the worst that happened, right? So I got in and, you know, I went and talked to uh, the uh, Pelshade group there in Tyler, Texas. Uh, they were opening, they had just opened up a pre-owned super center that's uh, located across the street from uh, his flagship Nissan store. Okay. And I went to work there at the used car uh, supercenter. Wow. So, and what was that onboarding like? Did they have a, a structured onboarding program? Obviously what you came from was very structured, very procedural driven in corrections. 
what was it like, especially going to a new store, the pre-owned super center? Was there, was there a structured onboarding process and training to get you comfortable with the steps of the sale and how to work through the negotiations with the customer? Yes, it was. Actually, it was very structured and very detailed. And, and uh, you actually had a trainer that came in and did the training for all the new hires. Uh, and because the, as a result of that ad that he ran, I think I want to say it was 17, 15 or 17 people that were in that training class with with my, with me. And uh, it was for two days. We started on the 15th. We trained all day on the 15th, all day on the 16th. And it was all day, you know, wow. so it wasn't just a, a, a fly through. It was a lot of information. But then, of course, it, you know, you say it was only two days, but you had the two days of uh, general information and an overlay of what, what goes on. And they're filling us out. We're filling them out. And then when you start, when you actually start, then you have more hands-on training. So there's another period of a week or two, depending on your pro progress of uh, additional training. And then, of course, in the car business, we train every day. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, of course, if you're not going every day, then you're dying and things change so much. So after I got uh, assigned to the to the uh, used car super center, uh, I mean, the training was still ongoing, of course. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you're, you're fortunate, I'm sure, as you know now, because not a lot of dealerships have that robust onboarding process. A lot of it's just, here's your new hire paperwork, you know, go get it up and let's sell a car. So um, very fortunate that you found a group that had a structured process, had a trainer dedicated to get people comfortable with it. And then it sounds like that training just continued each and every single day like it should. And I know you've adopted that into your stores, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. So how soon into those first two days of training did you start to look up and say, you know what? I can see my name on one of these buildings someday and, and started to have the vision of being your own dealer. Well, you know, uh, during the training, the two day training, you know, he, the trainer went over several, you know, things and it was all for me, for me personally, it was all common sense, you know, simple, simple things. So it was like, I was really comfortable from the get go, but my vision was, man, I can put my family in position to where um, we won't have to worry necessarily about check to check. You know, I mean, the traditional cycle that that um, that we're brought up in, we were able to uh, dream outside of that cycle. But it wasn't at that point that uh, I was thinking about, you know, my own name on the building. It was just like the trainer said a number that you can make a month. And that was the only thing locked into my head. I, I, was, I was chasing that number. <laughs> You're like, I got and, kids uh, in college, going to college. I got yeah. everything coming. Absolutely. I'm locked in on that number. What do I need to do? Absolutely. Yeah. And he yeah. was, and, he, and, and that number was like three times what I was making as, wow. uh, as a lieutenant. So I'm like, yeah, if I can do that, I can get them in college and I can support care of the wife and the kid at home. Yeah, yeah. Good for you. So, and, and, and I would imagine that early on is as they get you through the two days of training, and then you're on this floor, they recognize something in you. Uh, you know, it's, it's not all that often that high. It, it, there's, there's a lot of cycle in the automotive business, as we both know. And there's a lot of people that come in, they dip their toe in the water, they'll have a couple months on the sales floor, figure out it's not for them. How early on did your management or leadership team recognize something special in you that you had a knack for this business and you were going places? Okay, so 
I, I worked and I guess it was, I got promoted to a sales manager nine months into the uh, auto industry. Wow. And it was at that time, the CEO at the time of that company told me that the first interview that I had with him, he made a phone call to the dealer and told him, I just hired your next manager. So Ooh, wow. Based on that conversation, it was recognized immediately during the, during the uh, interview. However, I didn't know that. You know, I didn't even know anything about this industry. I was just, like I said, trying to, I heard that number, man, and I, that was all <laughs> I was focused on. <laughs> you were running at it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. And I would imagine that you made that number a reality pretty quick into your career. Uh, th that, that motivation just never went away for you. Two months in, I got there. So yeah, good yeah. for you. That's uh, that is yeah. so cool. So you you go into management nine months in. Um, now another another thing that's unique a little bit about your story is you spent your entire automotive career with one group. Um, now you and I both know that that's highly unlikely, especially in today's environment where oh, it's almost every eighteen months people are switching stores, regardless of the opportunities that are presented to them. Um, so you had a group that, that identified something special in you, although they didn't cue you in right away, but then they kind of developed and fostered you. And obviously you performed and exceeded their expectations and were promoted along the way. And did, were you assigned a specific mentor? Did you have kind of a team that was working with you and who was your go-to resource to ask all the questions that I'm sure started to burn in on you as you were starting to earn those promotions and moving up in management and leadership? Well, uh, as I got into the management role, you know, of course, enforcing the, the, the structure and the processes that are carried out on a daily basis was a natural for me because I've been in management for so many years. And as I got those things lined out and showed my dedication and commitment to the company, uh, the owner himself actually took a, a, a good wow. uh, a, a good interest into mentoring me and uh, provide me with uh, information and different avenues to take to be a successful uh, dealer. You know, um, there's a lot of things that um, there's a lot of uh, resources available for you out there, but there's a lot of those resources that are not. Um, openly available and rightfully so because I, I run in and, and talk to people all the time and their goal and ultimate goal and dream is to be a dealer. Unfortunately, I mean, it's not for everyone. And there are some things you have to have from a natural standpoint mm -hmm. to, to be a dealer. And that's not knocking anyone. It's just that a lot of times you can't see it. Like I told you, I didn't know that I had that. You know, that was recognized by a, a proven, very successful dealer, recognized that I didn't know. So as he educated me, mentored and 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 basically spoon fed information as I needed it and as I could handle it, uh, he he personally saw that I could do that before I did. You know, of course, before I yeah. did, he had the experience of you know. That is so cool. It, and it is amazing. You know, there are so few people that grow up wanting to get into the automotive industry, but the automotive industry provides a pathway to people to realize their dreams. And it, it's incredible to have dealers like that still in our industry. And I know you are now paying it forward with your stores and recognizing the talent pool that is out there. 
Um, but you're right. This, it's not for everybody. There's a lot of people that, that pull up every day and they're like, hey, you know, I see how easy the dealer's life is. They come in at 10, they leave at two, you know, cash and big paychecks or whatever. I can do this someday, but they're not wired. They're not wired for the grind. They're not wired for the risk. They're not wired for the, the mentoring and the coaching and the 24 seven job description that comes along with that. So, you know, it's great that you had someone that recognized that in you and were able to pour that into you and helped you along in your career to kind of, I would imagine, set you up for where you're at on your journey today. Absolutely. Yeah. So you were at the super center and then you worked your way up from sales manager to general sales manager, all within the same group. And then um, you had the opportunity to take over a franchise store um, and move over from a pre-owned super center to a franchise store and really take over the full operation of the dealership front, back, training, motivating, hiring all departments instead of isolated departments within the store, financial budgets, marketing, everything. And that's, that's a big transition, regardless of the years of experience, especially when you're working with a franchise guidelines. And uh, were there any nerves in there? Had you already kind of paved your path and said, I know I can do this? Well, <clears throat> the confidence has always been there. And I'll tell you that, and I've said this a million times, there's only three times I felt like I've worked since I've been in the car business. And that was the three times that I went through buy sales. <laughs> <laughs> you actually have to put in some, some work mentally and, and not so much physically, but there's a lot of uh, mental work in, involved in that. You know, the day-to-day talk, I mean, our job consists of talking to people, man. And um, the, the processes are there. The, the, the roadmap is there. Uh, if you can communicate effectively with people and be transparent, then it's not a job to me. I mean, and I don't say that lightly in a disrespectful way at no means. I just, it's just easy work for me. Yeah. You know? So um, I can say that um, as I navigated through the um, super center part, transforming over to the franchise part. It was actually at the same store. So okay. we, and, and the dealer told me, you know, we worked on it. He was like, man, I'm at some point, I'm, I will get a point, a, a franchise point here for you. Just hang in there, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job with it. I mean, he was super supportive and, and um, we were actually awarded a Subaru point and of course, you know, Subaru was new to that market. And uh, it was across the street from our Nissan store, same okay. place, which has trucks. The, the Chrysler Ram store, Dodge store was next door to us, which has trucks. And the GMC store was next door to that store, which has trucks. So we're getting this new franchise, right? That's new to the area. And you don't have a truck. And you're in East Texas, so <laughs> the odds were stacked against us on this deal. But uh, absolutely, you know, yeah. But you know, there's, uh, and I think at the time, I think to be, I think it was like 253 units in operation for Subaru wow. in that entire market when we got it, and uh, it. So the odds were stacked against us, but you know, at the end of the day, we have our policies, our process. We have good people. Uh, the dealer is, has us well-trained and he's supportive. Uh, we understood what we were up against and we just got in and went to work. And, and as far as it relates to the franchise side of it, 
Yes, there's a lot of uh, franchise laws, rules, and regulations that they require, and you know, to participate with and be a partnership with them. But uh, so to for us, he had never owned a Subaru, so new Subaru was new not only to me but to him and our entire company as well. Yeah. So learning and figuring out the do's and don'ts of Subaru, I think that helped me advance a lot faster because. I had to learn all the top level as well as, you know, what the sales guys and the sales managers need and require. So it was a lot, but it was fun to me. And it was, it, for me, it was easy. What, what a great, as I'm sitting back and listening to that story, and thank you for providing that level of context, uh, it's Subaru, car market, they have a, a, a total loyalist uh, customer base, and you're in the heart of truck country, there's no question. But for you, through your progression, you take on a franchise, you add a point that's new to the area, not well known in the area. And to be able to walk through that, just what an incredible learning experience. I, I, I would think looking back, you got to be grateful for the opportunity to onboard that new point with a new manufacturer so you could trace those steps from start to finish. And I got to imagine that you're tapping into those reserves every now and then on your now venture as you've taken on a couple new stores and opportunities. That had to be just a great learning experience for you. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the things that I, I, I was actually responsible for and able to learn through that process, because in our group that I work for, of course, with it being a new brand to the market, new brand to us, no, no trucks. So, my store at that time that I worked for actually sold the least amount of cars out of our groups and, and of course, made the least, least amount of money. But the learning experience and the, the knowledge that I obtained outweighed uh, the entire deal for me. I think that was the biggest achievement that I got out of it, the knowledge. And, and, and I think I have to attribute that to the dealer, you know, um, because his patience and his vision on that roadmap that he had, I mean, he had already visualized and, and laid out, and I had no knowledge of it because yeah. you don't know what you don't know. But as I needed it, I was fed that spoon, you know, and it, and and I got it. And and you know, one thing that he's always said, he's always told me, he said, Mike, you're a grown man, and you know, and you know, when someone say that, it's like, of course, I'm a grown man, but in the in the sense of understanding how to be an adult in each situation, slowing down and getting a full understanding of what's going on with whatever the case is at the moment, that's what he saw in me, and uh, he helped me out a great deal with bringing that out. It's just it, it's exceptional, and I think for for your regard um, to stay true to that process. And there, I'm sure that there were times that you could have jumped, you could have gone to another dealer group, probably chased a larger paycheck, maybe a franchise GM title earlier on in your career. But it really sounds like, you know, you and that dealer were brought together for a very specific reason. Your patience um, in the process, being a procedural driven person, really paid off and allowed you to form those deep level relationships and understanding, maybe a little bit of sacrifice along the way, um, but now really helped put you in position for what we're going to start to talk to is the day you did venture out and put your name on, on the front of a couple of buildings. Um, so kudos to you for, for being professionally patient throughout all of that and sticking with it. 
Well, thank you very much. What an interesting story coming from a criminal justice background to quickly rising through the ranks in the automotive industry. Next week, we discuss more about leadership and some of the obstacles Mike overcame within the industry. You can find App on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and our website. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button.